0: This is the sit down with Deb, a spin-off podcast of the sit down with Mike Racine, where I call up his friends and we talk all about Mike and comedy and life and stuff. Uh, this is episode one. In this first episode, I sit down with Mike's very good friend, Sam Morel. Sam Morrell is a stand up comedian. He is a regular on Comedy Central's this week at the Comedy Cellar. He was named Comedy Central's Comics to Watch in 2011 and has performed multiple stand-up sets on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, The Late Late Show with James Corden, and Conan. Samorell is super funny. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter, at Samorell. And here's the interview. Just hit record so I could just start. Or do you okay. not want this? Do I'm,
1: I'm going to edit stuff out. No, yeah, yeah. Just well, Let's just go, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's all about Mike anyway, right?
0: Right, yeah. So um, I'm taking over
1: that. Yeah, it's funny. He yeah. told me, uh, he's like, I'm going to Buffalo. I got a gig in Buffalo. And I was like, what are you doing, helium? He's like, no, I'm, I'm going to some guy's barbecue. And I was like, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whatever. If he's paying you to go to his barbecue, get the money, man. It's a pandemic, so... You know. Yeah,
0: and Mike got to do what he loves most, which is um, barbecue for a bunch of people. Right. And, like, talk to them about, like, the step-by-step, the play-by-play, the barbecue.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Which I'm, yeah. like, his only audience member right now, so – and I don't care yeah. about food and really.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely started – you know, I'm back in New York when I was in Los Angeles. I was cooking for Taylor and uh, – She didn't know I could cook and I'm not like a great cook, but I I can, she didn't, I never even had done anything for her. And then during the pandemic, you're like, well, I have to, I'm not going to just get takeout every night. I have to figure something out. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of pastas and chilies and stuff. And I made her like three jugs of chili before I left because uh, she said she was gonna miss that, so I, I went, huh. And now she's like, I'm, "And now she's like, I'm too sad to eat it because you're gone." I was like, "Well, I'm glad I spent uh, two and a half hours on that, you know." <laughs> well,
0: but she, but dead. she,
1: I mean, she ate it last night. She's like, "I'll eat it. I'll eat it." Like, All right.
0: Fine. I mean, I'm not particular about food, but it's definitely not chilly season, so I'm surprised.
1: Well, in New York, it's not, but in Los Angeles, it's you know you've AC on. It's it's a yeah. good storage food.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good starter because you just kind of like toss things into it.
1: It's fun. I like things that you just toss and season as you go.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's a
1: perfect thing for someone who's not actually a good cook to feel like you're a good cook because you make this big thing.
0: Yeah. And um, I'm only good at making like chilies and soup because I'm not a good cook.
1: Right, Right, (laughs) right, right, right. We could do pasta. You make like a nice sauce and then you just throw the pasta and it's fun. I mean, I I like making bulk foods like that. And and for pandemic, that's, you know, what it's all about.
0: Yeah. I even put pasta like I understand. I mean, I'm I'm marrying an Italian who loves to make fresh made pasta. But but like how is pasta food? You know,
1: (laughs) what do you mean?
0: Because it's just it's just carbs, right?
1: Well, you throw, ve- I, I like I like some veggies in there, man. I'll, I'll do like, a, I'll, I'll make like a marinara sauce. And the, if I'm lazy, I'll just, you know, I just get that Rayo sauce because it's so damn, that Rayo's marinara, like, holy shit.
0: Yeah, the spicy one is good.
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah, Mike makes a great sauce too, obviously. He does. He does. Uh But I I was away. Uh, yeah, man, I, I love making pasta and uh, Taylor's a, you know, basically a vegan, she's not officially a vegan, but she doesn't really eat meat. So I get all that like fake meat to throw in there and a bunch of vegetables right. and, you know.
0: Yeah. So it's like the sauce, so- you need like the sauce and the, the veggies to add extra because otherwise pasta is yeah. just like, I don't know, it's not really food to me, even though it's delicious.
1: Uh The Italians, it's like if you're like a real Italian, there's no way you're not gonna be just morbidly obese. There's just no right. way around it. Like and every time I watch like a mob movie and they're like, I'll get a veal Parmesan. I'm like, yeah, you should be fat as shit if that's <laughs> what you eat all the time. It's just like pounded veal, cheese and drenched in sauce.
0: Exactly, yeah. It's, well, and when we were, we were in Italy and I was surprised I didn't see more overweight people.
1: Well in, in in Italy and in all of Europe for that matter, it's like Americans, we just take that food and make it so much more gluttonous. Like, look at the French. They all yeah. they do is drink wine and eat cheese, and they're like 90 pounds. You right. know? We took that shit. I think Richard Jenny used to have a bit how the French have the croissant. And uh-huh. we and we and we were like the croissant. That's what we came up with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like that's really what it is, I think, is you just We've just made everything more gluttonous. That's the American way. You right, know?
0: exactly. Like with the crepe, too.
1: Right. It
0: was just like a nice little thin pancake until it came here. Now it's like waffle syrup, ice cream, white, everything.
1: White chocolate, dark chocolate, <laughs> yeah. maple syrup. And like Those don't even go together. But yeah, you're right. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So today I'm here with Sam Morrell. I'm doing the sit-down takeover. I'm going to be Mike's. I'm going to take over his podcast this whole week and Sam, you're the first one to be on my list. Yeah. I'm honored. Yes. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Um, I picked you because I know that you and Mike go way back. So can you tell me like how long have you known each other and how did you meet?
1: Well, I think I, I think this is right. I don't know if this is right completely, but I think we met Mark Norman and Matt Ruby used to have a podcast. Called we're all friends here at the creek, and I think it was like a live show, and Mike and I were the guests. Mm. And uh, Mike had long hair; he was like he looked different. He looked like he looked like Italian, like Che Guevara almost, or something. <laughs> like a little goatee. And then, uh,
0: do you know what year Mike, this was?
1: I don't. I, I would guess like 2008 or nine would be my guess. Probably 2009, okay. maybe or, or ten. It's one of those years. And uh, yeah, Mike, I think, said something along the lines of like, he, he, had, the only reason I know this is because he's brought this story up to me later, is that uh, he was like, I saw you once at comics and you're funny or something. And I was like, oh, thanks. And he was like, you were fucking rude to me. That's what he said, like, he said, like, <laughs> He told me this story like two years after the fact when we were when we were good friends. Uh-huh. You were fucking rude to me. I said, how was I rude? He's like, I told you you were funny and you just said, thanks. Like, like I should have like serenaded him with much more than that. And I was like, I, I'm sorry. I don't know. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Mike is, as you know, confrontational. So well, we, I mean, we to deal with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's become so fearful of confrontation. So that's surprising really? to me. Yeah, like. We've been in a fight with our old landlords. (laughs) And I'm just like, tell that guy to give us the money. Mike's writing emails, like, constantly. I'm like, go track him down.
1: Well, Mike was so much better than me in those alt rooms, for sure. Like, especially early on. Like, I was so jokey that, like, I was such a club comic even early on. And Mike, he had these, like, slow burn jokes that would just keep killing. So I remember we both did sets before we sat down with them. And Mike's set was it hit so much harder than mine. And he, he had uh I remember We did like a Billy Mays joke and he did like a cash cab oh. joke and all these classic jokes that are on his album now, but like they were yeah. becoming like first, you know, formed at the time. And uh, he killed, he was so, I was like, fuck, he's so funny. So that was my first uh, interaction with him.
0: Nice. That's good. Yeah. I feel like, uh, so I, I met him kind of, he was a doorman at Caroline's when he was Right. 19. He told me this.
1: That's yeah. so weird. He so you you met him back then.
0: He doesn't remember me at all from then. Wow. And I remember him a little <laughs> bit, but only That's cause... a story.
1: That's a story you fucking lie about. By the way, that's classic Racine where like any other guy would be like, "Oh yeah, I kind of remember you," but Mike's like, "No, no. I have no recollection." Zero. <laughs> <Deer up.
0: laughs> like but... he's
1: like a fucking mobster on the stand. <laughs> I have no remembrance. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no clue. And then well because New Year's you know is a big thing at Caroline's every year so
1: sure yeah so he's
0: like I don't think I ever
1: got to do it I think they might have asked me once and I couldn't do it but I was always like a little offended at Caroline's like because they always were like you're one of our guys but they said that to like 90 comics right like you'd watch Lou Ferrando walk up to me and be like you're one of the brightest young comics in the city and then he'd walk up to Joe Mackey and go you're one of the brightest young and I'm like dude You're still in earshot. Like, you got to fake this a little better. He'd go to, like, a fucking pigeon outside in the street. You're one of the brightest comics in the city.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's definitely Lou Ferranda. I remember one time I I was in the lounge. He's like, oh, you're doing a great job. You're going to be famous one day. Can you take out the garbage? (laughs) In one breath. (laughs) I'm like, I'm trying to be a speech pathologist, so...
1: That's hilarious. He
0: just assumed everyone's trying to be an actor or comedian. Can you take
1: out the garbage? (laughs) Jesus, Lou. Did you, uh, so you met, but you remember Mike at at 19.
0: Only because, and he hates the story, but I'm going to tell it once on this show and I'm going to tell it to you. Because, so he was 19 and he was in the front of the house, you know, the doorman. And I was 18, but I was a waitress, so I had access to everything at Caroline's. So he couldn't. He didn't have a fake ID or anything. So when we were bussing the showroom, when he thought no one was looking, Mike used to like take the drinks off the tables, (laughs) drink them before um, we bust them. So then remember Curtis, that part the waiter. He used to talk like this, and he'd be like, "Pick up your face." Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was like the head waiter. So he named Mike Templeton from like Charlotte's Web.
1: <laughs> I, but but as in the whiskey
0: yeah so like the rat that came and stole the food that's yeah oh, so it
1: works on two levels
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so uh, that's how i remember him so i don't remember i, don't, I didn't i never have a conversation with him or anything but um yeah it wasn't until i saw him do stand up and then i was like wow that guy's really funny and and then somebody in the weight staff was like do you you know who that is right and i was and i was like who and, templeton
1: wow yeah yeah mike is definitely uh he would kind of i'd watch him early on just like rip up these weird little he'd be in like a coffee shop type room and he would just rip it up and mm-hmm. uh <laughs> it was definitely uh he definitely i noticed it was he was a really good joke writer early on so i was like oh that's a guy I'll, i i'd like to be friends with you want to be friends with people that you, you admire their writing right
0: and ever since like he and I started dating, you've always been there on the phone texting or calling and you guys like do bits back and forth. So you guys yeah. help each other out that way.
1: I think a lot of comics are like that. It's just, it's, you know, it's good to have friends who are always open-minded. I think Mike keeps an open mind, which is nice. Not all my friends are like that. So Mike is uh, like, I run a bit by Joe Mackey and, and he's just like, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like all right, and, and he he won't just stop there. He'll be like, "There's nothing remotely funny about that." That's what he'll just say that with like a stone face. And like, I run it by someone like Racine and he he keeps a more open mind, so I appreciate that.
0: Right, and he gives you some feedback at least.
1: Yeah, he's like, "Well, maybe this is what you're trying to say, and that's not coming." Clear. You know, you've you've it's a vulnerable thing to run a joke by someone because it's it's a personal thought that right. you thought was funny, so you want friends that are not going to jump down your throat and who are going to be like, all right, this is, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I usually think that if a comic that I think is funny thought of it, there's usually, there's probably, it may not work on stage, but there's probably something there. Uh, and maybe they're just not articulating what's funny yet in the, in the right way. But mm-hmm. I usually, I usually trust that they're, they're close to something.
0: Right. Cause you have a ear for it. Um, I am just about to ask you something about, like, uh, well, oh, that's what I was going to say. So, like, with you, I do hear that. But sometimes when I hear him on the phone with Annie Letterman, yeah. I'm like, are you listening to her? He's just silent. Like, he doesn't even respond. And she's like, okay, I guess you hate that one. Like, he doesn't even <laughs> answer it. So, I always feel bad. Like, I'm like, like, I have to get involved in the conversation and be like, wake <laughs> up. She's asking you a question
1: oh man yeah I I think Mike I think Mike's got ADD I do too so I can I can kind of pick it up on other people but I think he's definitely got a lot of I think a lot of people that are comics have bad ADD because you know to think of jokes your mind has to wander a little bit and Mm -hmm. those are people that are not (laughs) that are not always great listeners
0: right yeah
1: I have I that problem too.
0: Lots of people though, like anyone creative and lots of CEOs have ADHD. It's just, they have assistants. So it's like, who cares? Right. You know, they right. get the other people doing all that other stuff for them. But here I am, I'm Mike's assistant <laughs> for the week. True. Um. So do you have any, what's your favorite memory or story that you remember with Mike?
1: We did a few things that that definitely like. Uh, one of them is we did this stupid short called "Hot Hot Coffee." I don't know if you've seen it. Yes, but it's, I it's, have. I think it's I think it's still on YouTube. But it's basically, um, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, you're can not you coming through right now.
0: Oh, you can't hear me. Can you hear me now? Hello, hello. I can hear myself echoing. Don't know why.
1: Um,
0: all right, so there might be a little difference in the audio quality. We were having some tech difficulties, but we're back. Hi, Sam.
1: Hey, sorry. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. So, i mic like anymore, so if I sound worse, that's why.
0: No, I think you sound very similar. So I don't know if those were working before.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, before we left off, you were talking about um, a oh. Web short that you and Mike did together called Hot Coffee.
1: Can you? Yeah, I think as I said, I I got Mike in the Sopranos. He hadn't even seen me yet. I think, I think I started the idea because there was an episode where they have this scam called Websticks, and they just pour hot coffee on a guy, and it's so fucked up that it made me laugh. Like that's what violence in the Sopranos would do sometimes. It was just so over the top. You just like all you can do is laugh, I guess. So I told it to Mike, and he started laughing. And, I'll, and we started like brainstorming a sketch because we were doing a show at Comics uh, on 14th and 9th, which was like the competitor to Caroline's and Gotham. And it was a beautiful club in the meatpacking district. But it's like, who the fuck goes to see comedy in the meatpacking district? Like, that's right. where all the nightclubs are. You're attracting a weird crowd. But it was a gorgeous club. And it was that's what
0: I heard about it because we lost a manager to comics. And it was like a big dramatic thing. And everyone's like, comics got flat screen TVs. And Caroline still had those ones with that were hanging from yeah. the ceiling that had the whole back.
1: Well, Caroline's was classic, but then comics was kind of like the alt uh, headliner club. Like they'd have guys like, you know, Marin before he was a huge act headlining, or they'd have like, uh, you know, the, the alternative to the Caroline, they'd have like Janine Garofalo, you know, but mm-hmm. it, was, it was such a great club. And uh, Mike and I, they were like, it was a big deal. They're like, we'll co-headline you guys for a night. And of course we never got fucking paid The club <laughs> was under, and we sold the place out and we didn't get, we didn't see a dime. Class oh
0: my God. Money. Really? It
1: was scumbaggery. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> people got fucked worth than worse than us. I, I heard like Bobby Sladen was owed like five grand. So, you know, they were a scummy company, uh, mm-hmm. so, but it was a nice club. And well, they spent all club. their
0: money on the meatpacking district and flat screen TVs.
1: Exactly, it was massive. The the right. it was, I can't imagine what the overhead was, but they still should have paid us. Right. So anyway, uh, Mike and I, and to be honest, Kim Hanwacker was the booker at the time, and she was an awesome person. She t- felt horrible, so she was booking Mike and, and myself constantly after that. Mm-hmm. The really under, and we got paid for the spots, but and it was like cool to be on those shows. So you know. Uh, she did all she could it wasn't her fault it was right but uh so mike and i made this short to promote that weekend or that night we did together and it was basically um you know it was just every time i would say something to critique it opens with me trying to critique one of mike's jokes and instead Mm -hmm. of taking the criticism he throws hot coffee in my face (laughs) and it just kept happening it was like a dumb gag that you just are waiting so it's on youtube i'm sure somewhere and uh that was like one of the fun memories. We're just throwing, he's just throwing <laughs> coffee in my face all over.
0: So you're you know, the only drink. one that got coffee in the face though? Yeah, it was that never... was the joke.
1: Was that he's the psycho. I never oh, go okay. back. And, and then the end, the joke was that he goes, I don't, I don't even, he, he comes to apologize to me. He goes, I don't even drink bubble tea anymore. He goes, I don't even drink coffee anymore. I drink bubble tea now. And he holds up a little bubble tea. And I'm right. like, oh, all right, cool. And it's, you know, one of those like, with the little uh, tapioca things and the bubble tea. Yeah, yeah. I say, you know, I start telling him, oh, you need anger management. And he, and then he throws a bubble <laughs> tea in my face and I start screaming. <laughs> he goes, I drink my bubble tea hot. It was so <laughs> stupid, but it was like, yeah. we thought it was funny. And they uh-huh. would play that dumb sketch before every show at comics. Oh, really? Yeah, it was so <laughs> stupid. But yeah, I remember doing that split night with Rasheen and and he was so funny, he, he killed it. Um,
0: Nice. Well, that was my next question. Have you ever seen Mike Crush?
1: Yeah, he crushed. I mean, he really, really crushed. He, he. I went on after him, and I didn't do as well. He, he definitely. He made it hard for me. You know, he was so, so funny, and uh, he, uh, he had so many good jokes back then. I remember his like famous. These are all on his album, but like mm. the worst pedophile joke is yeah. the Christian who <laughs> sexed with like 200 like, kids, and he goes, sounds like the best pedophile. To me. That was like a classic early Racine joke, and the yeah. joke kept coming. He goes, worst pedophile. Sounds like a guy you can't get his van to start, who, you know, he has WNBA cards. I mean, that was the whole joke. It was like, it, it would murder. It would yeah. murder. Necco, like,
0: he eventually ended Necco wafers and, and licorice, to <laughs> Circus peanuts.
1: Yeah, and it's funny. I, I like the WNBA, and I like Necco wafers, and okay. I don't like Circus peanuts, but
0: But you would have been in that van. I would have
1: been in that van.
0: They would have had me. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I felt like um, that joke, that pedophile joke was like the joke that made me notice him. And then that's when I was like, wow, he's super funny.
1: I grandkids. Yeah. When you notice grandpa? (laughs) He was doing a joke about a guy in an unmarked van. And that's when he, uh, I (laughs) caught my mom.
0: Yeah. yeah, it, it was, though. And then I remember he was doing a roast, and uh, Annie Letterman was like, uh, Mike's been doing that pedophile joke so long, it's now about two consenting adults.
1: Oh, wow, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: I usually hate roasts, but that was a funny joke.
1: Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, I remember we did a roast once, and Mike had a joke about uh, this guy, Eric I, who is, you know, we used to love Eric. I haven't seen him forever, but he... uh he would just book these horrible shows in New York city. He would just book these hell, all only hell gigs. They were just all like, he booked like 10 shows and they'd all have like four people in the crowd. Uh And we'd be like, how about one good show? But at the same time we were grateful to just tell our jokes to four people. So uh, I remember we did a roast of him and Eric would just tell these like provocative jokes. So it's just bomb.
0: Uh And Mike
1: said, you know, the difference between AIDS and Eric I's AIDS jokes are, is that uh, AIDS can sometimes be funny <laughs> with the joke, <laughs> and it killed.
0: Yeah, he recently did, he didn't do too many Zoom shows. I don't know if, did you do many of those?
1: Um, Zoom shows, like, through the pandemic,
0: you mean? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I've done them. I'm not, like, like thrilled to be doing them. It's, like, I basically, it feels like like, the it's the comedy equivalent of, like, the way, like, it's to comedy what fucking a sex robot is to sex. You know, it's not real.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I didn't like the Zoom shows really at all, and he didn't, he turned a lot down. Well, he didn't do very many, but he did do, like, a city roast Zoom show, and it was hosted by List and uh, Norman. And uh, he wrote really good jokes for that, and I was like, oh, and that was the only, uh, that was the only Zoom show that I thought was tolerable the rest it was just like what's happening here
1: i've done a couple cool things i did one in la that was like uh tv you're just surrounded by tvs and it's like everyone's face and it was pretty amazing it felt like it felt like the closest to actual comedy and then you know i did the seller zoom show and that was like it's it's me sitting down in a chair with a mic but they were laughing and it's like it's better than nothing i like it's not real but it's like Beggars can't really be choosers at this point. Hopefully, I I get some outdoor shows going soon.
0: Right. I saw your tweet. Do you want to repeat what you wrote for that tweet when you were like, you used to have standards for clubs?
1: (laughs) Yeah. But basically, I said in 2019, it was like the clubs got to have low ceilings, tables close together, uh, height height and security, at least one healthy food option on the menu. And now I'm like, yeah, I'll do your fucking parking lot. Why not?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so other than that, how has it been your quarantine? Has it been like I'm glad I could relax or No, it's not no. relaxing.
1: Even in the first month, it was like everything I was like creating with like we were doing a lot of sketches. Right. You know, and I were doing a lot of couples and quarant new couple and quarantine sketches, but it's not like I mean, I had fun being creative with her, but everything she referred to it as panic creating, which is how I felt. It wasn't like uh-huh. It wasn't like, yay, we made something. It was like, all right, we did something. It it was like more, but it wasn't, it didn't, nothing felt good. This this has been, this has been the enemy of any creativity because, you know, creativity is, you you need motion and movement and, and new things in your life to happen. And this is just, this is Groundhog's Day. You know, this is not, this is not a place to be, and at least Groundhog's Day, he could go out. At least you <laughs> right, yeah. did each day. Like mm-hmm. he could fucking he could kill himself. He could do anything.
0: <laughs> yeah. Something different. No. I I mean, it was it has been really hard. Things feel better now, but um, at least you were in a new relationship. Like you guys probably like tried things you hadn't done before.
1: Yeah, living together <laughs> for four months straight. Right. I
0: don't, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know, I was like, hey honey, you know it'd be crazy. If I just stayed here with no job for four months, no, it wasn't like exciting new it was it was desperate new. it was right, you know, I basically left to give her a break from me
0: uh, <laughs> well, that's kind. that's well, really kind of you
1: i mean it was it wasn't just me. she was like, you should probably i was like, yeah, uh, but you know, it's a lot of pressure to put on a new relationship to be spending literally every day together and and i'm not I'm a New Yorker, so it's hard right. to it's hard to be in l a for that long. Uh, it's just not my, you know, even here, quarantine, like, you know, it's just different. Something about it just feels different. I don't know why, but.
0: Do you see yourself going to LA?
1: Like full time?
0: Yeah. No. No. People are just not the same there. And the comedy is not right. as good.
1: It's, yeah, it's all about podcasting out there. And, you know, New York is like, is made for like standup. I think discomfort is necessary for comedy and LA they're kind of comfortable you know right, it's like
0: yeah
1: there's not a good comedy scene in fucking Florida you know it's right. like you know LA they have a good scene because it's it's Hollywood so they have a lot of great comics but it's just I think it's easier to get reps in New York and I think like cold is good like discomfort it's like it's something about the city here where like you know we're kind of all in it together. And in right. L.A., no matter what, like fucking Bloomberg took the subway. And I know it was like a PR stunt, but he still did it. Like right. in L.A., in LA, everyone is like in their own car about themselves, kind of. You're like, when we put in a podcast. In New York, you're on, you're on the train together. You're walking the streets together. There is something more, there is something that builds like a camaraderie more in New York.
0: Right. And yeah, and you can be all be commiserate.
1: Misery, yes, that's you nailed it. I, I gave a long-winded thing and you're like, misery. I'm like, that's it. That's,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Yeah.
1: But it, it is like, you know, I think I I hate to say it, but I write better when I'm not completely comfortable. And I was getting pretty comfortable in LA. Even, you know, for better or worse, I was getting pretty comfortable.
0: Yeah, I feel like every time Mike and I have like a major fight, he all of a sudden like is Way more motivated to work, like I need to want to murder him for him to like be more productive, then all of a sudden he's cranking stuff out because he's like heartbroken.
1: yeah, I've written good material after breakups, and I've written good uh stuff when I feel like pressure i I think pressure is is good
0: mm-hmm. yeah um so you I was
1: you need to rise to pressure, and you need to do that if you're an entertainer, right? so
0: yeah. I mean, I can't do anything without pressure. Like if I have a month to get something done, it's not happening until yep. two days or one day really before.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: So I, I set this up. So I wanted to hear a memory, a story, a time he crushed. I heard all that. And, um, we, so recently, uh, well, not even, so I wanted to think about Kevin Barnett here and and end oh. all of these with uh, um, time you remember Mike bombing because I remember that was Kevin's favorite and. Uh, oh man. So if you wanna, if, or if you had remember, like a.
1: Well, series. a time with Mike bombs. <laughs> Goddamn, there's so many to choose from. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, first up, I will say this about Kevin, who is just such a yeah. special guy. But uh yeah. you know, so funny and uh, would fucking just tear me to shreds for calling him a special guy right there but he really was a hilarious person i remember one time we were both in florida doing gigs and we were just texting and i was like i was i was drunk and i was just like ah man we don't we don't like get lunch enough you know we don't like hang enough and he was like he's like what are you trying to fuck me motherfucker (laughs) and i was like well i was laughing so damn hard in the in a hotel room in freaking florida but uh yeah, Kevin was so, so funny.
0: He um, was so funny, but he was also like, anytime you talk to somebody about Kevin, it's always like, I was on the phone with Kevin. I called him, I texted him. He just always was there for he was everyone.
1: Good, he, was, he was a good person. And I, I've honestly, I can honestly say I've never heard a bad word about him, which is fucking yeah. impossible. I, yeah. I don't know if that's true for anyone else in comedy. So he really, he really was a great guy. Um time I saw Mike Baum, um, I, I, there's no one time that sticks out to me, but, um, I mean, shit, there have been a million bar shows where I've watched him eat shit and it's funny to watch him bomb. I don't know. I mean, like, I I guess there's no one time that's, we all bomb a
0: lot. That's kind of what what it's all about is if you're getting on stage enough, you're going to bomb and